to look at who Jesus is from his own words, from his own words. Have you ever met someone and you realize they had already heard about you from someone else and they had already kind of made up in their mind what their perception of you was? And it's so frustrating. And can you imagine how much Jesus deals with this same frustration? Because there's nobody talked about more than him. There's no one who has more opinions about who he is more than, more than we do about Jesus. And this series, we're going to go to the Bible and just let Jesus tell us who he is. If you want to know who Jesus is, don't watch CNN, don't watch Fox News, don't let your professor at university tell you who Jesus is. Don't even let me tell you who Jesus is. Let him tell you who he is. And that's what we're going to do in this series. We're just going to let Jesus speak for himself, and he's going to tell us who he is. And he always uses the phrase, I am, when he tells us who he is. And I want to take a moment today and just unpack why that is so, so rich and important that Jesus calls himself the I Am because in the book of Exodus, God reveals himself to us as the I Am. So I want to take us there in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 11. Moses was at his point of greatest failure. He was far from God on the backside of a desert, 40 years running from God, running from his purpose, and God meets Moses and says, I, you may have ran away from me, but you haven't outran me. Are you th aren't you thankful that we serve a God that's greater than our past? We serve a God that's greater than our failure? That, that we may run from God, but we'll never outrun God. I, I don't know if anyone can identify with me that there's been seasons where you, you thought you were so far from God and then you realize He was just as close as the mention of His name, Jesus. And so... Moses found out that God was not throwing him away because of his failure, but God still loved him and had a purpose for his life. And Moses says this in Exodus 3.11. Moses protested to God, who am I? And I just want to take a time out and to say Moses is struggling with his identity in this passage. God calls Moses to do great things, and he's like, who am I? Who am I? I've I, I made mistakes. Who am I? I? I'm a failure. Who am I? I'm so far from what I should be. Who am I? And what we're going to see is when you start seeing who Jesus is, it starts, you don't only see who he is, you see who you are. You get, an, you get your identity from his authority. And he goes on to say, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I'm the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, and you will worship God right here on this mountain. Verse 13, and Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they'll ask me, what is his name? That I should, what, what should I tell them? Verse 14, this is so powerful. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you and all the all the teachers in the house are like foul that's not a name I am what do you mean God you're the I am and what God was giving to Moses was a true picture of his identity he said hey I'm an infinite God uh, in Greek this this phrase I am means er is ergo a me which is simply means this I always was and I always will be that's simply to say Moses any area of your life that you're deficient in, 
I'm all sufficient. Any area of your life where you don't have it all together, I have it all together. You need provision, I am. You need salvation, I am. You need hope, I am. You need joy, I am. You need, you need peace, I am. Whatever it is that you need, God says that's exactly who I am. And I, if I could take it a step further, Moses' question was, who am I? This is so good. God's answer was, it's not about who you are. God's answer is, I am. <laughs> Every who am I question God had, that we have, God answers, I am. Who am I? My mistakes have, are going to keep me from my destiny. God says, no, no, no. Stop looking at you. Look at who I am. Who am I? It looks like it's not working out in my life financially. Who am I? God, I've made too many mistakes. Who am I? I'm a failed business leader. Who am I? I've made some wrong investments. Who am I? We're trying to conceive. Who am I? My health isn't working out. Who am I? I'm not being a good enough parent. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And God says, don't think about who you are. I want you to put your focus on who I am, and who I am will define who you are, Moses. And if we could fast forward a couple thousand years in the New Testament, John chapter 8, Jesus is talking and preaching and telling the people that he knew Abraham. He's talking about how he is the God of the Old Testament that talked to Moses. And in verse 57 of John 8, it says, The people said, You're not even 50 years old. How can you say that you've seen Abraham? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, watch this, I am. And they immediately picked up stones to throw at him. Why? Because when he said, I am, when he said, before Abraham was, I am, he was letting them unequivocally know that I am the God of the Old Testament, that I am the all-sufficient one. And if you're taking notes today, if you don't get anything else out of this message, understand this, that Jesus is the great I am. That's why we love him so much here at City Hills. That's why we sing about him at City Hills. That's why we teach about him and preach about him because we believe he was more than just a man. We believe Jesus was more than just a good teacher. We believe Jesus was more than just a good religious leader. We believe that Jesus was the great I am of the Old Testament. Come to the New Testament to save that the one that spoke the one that spoke light, the one that spoke the world into existence. He's the God that we see in Jesus Christ. The one who spoke to Moses from the burning bush, Jesus says, I am. The one who called Abraham out from his friends and family and to a land whose builder and maker was God, he says, I am. That's who I am. And, and that authority determines your identity. And I love that because it's so easy whenever we look at the Bible to kind of live in the land of, well, that's nice. That's really nice for Moses. You know, he's got his shoes off and the bush is burning. It had to be a real cool experience. And man, God met him there. That's not really for me. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, then he's here. So that's simply to say the great I am is in this place. The great I am is the answer to your need. The great I am is the, is, is the hope that you need. The, that, that, that's why we sing. That's why we lift up the name of Jesus because it's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. And today we're looking at this reality that Jesus is the bread of life. If you love bread, you will love, you're, you're, 
life chapter should be John chapter 6 if you are, love bread. Because the whole chapter is all about bread. It starts with the deficiency of bread. There's 5,000 men plus women and children, probably 20,000 plus people following after Jesus. And they got a problem. No bread. They're, they're hungry. He's, he's been preaching. And, 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 and they got to figure out where are we going to get bread. And watch what Jesus does. Watch how Jesus leads his disciples. He's trying to give us a point that we're going to see throughout this entire chapter. In John chapter 6, verse 5, it says, When Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming toward him. He said to Philip, one of his disciples, Where are we going to buy bread for all these people to eat? He brings, I just love this about Jesus, that Jesus asked a question as if he didn't know the answer. He's like, hey, Philip, dude, you're, all those other disciples, I don't know if they're smart, but you, I'm going to ask you this question, Philip. Come on. Philip, what are we going to do? Do you see all these people, Philip? Philip's like, yeah, I see them all. What are we going to do, Philip? Where are we going to get bread? And, and it, it goes on to say, but he asked this only to test him because he already had in mind what he was going to do. Jesus already had the solution in the middle of the problem. Jesus already knew what he was going to do, but he asked Philip where to, they were going to find bread. Why? Why would he do that? Why wouldn't he just provide it? Because he was trying to teach them something. Watch what Philip responds. Philip responds by saying, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to just have a bite. Philip answers with how. How are we going to buy bread? How are we going to do this? How much money it's going to take? How much, how, how much, how much it's going to be? How many people there are? How much it's going to be for just one bite? But Jesus didn't ask Philip how. Jesus asked Philip where. <laughs> so important. Jesus said, where are we going to find bread? It's as if Jesus is like tongue in cheek. Hey, Philip, where are we going to find bread? And the whole time Jesus is like, where? Say it, say it, say it, say it. Where are we going to find bread? Where could we? Where could, is there anywhere? Where could we find bread? And Philip's like, oh, I don't know. Like, how are we going to do this? And Jesus was trying to let him know the how, the method may change, but the where remains the same. That no matter what it is that you are insufficient in, I am the great I am. I am the bread. I'm the one that you need. So, so could it be that the insufficiencies in your life do not make Jesus nervous? Could it be that the areas of lack that you're facing right now in your life, that could it be that he's left it that way and posed the question to you to simply say this Sunday morning, where are you going to find your hope? Where are you going to find your life? And the answer is not in Jesus, I don't have enough money. Jesus, I, don't, I made too many mistakes. Who am I? That's not the answer. The answer is I'm going to find it in you. I just, I think about that scripture, Psalm 121. I lift my eyes unto the hills. Where comes my help? My help comes from you. My help comes from you. That our help comes from the great I am. Jesus was trying to teach them this chapter about who he was. So, so they found this boy who had five barley loaves and two small fish. And this boy, when he gave what he had, put it in the hands of the great I am, it fed 20,000 people. I mean, it's an amazing miracle it's included in all four gospels when you give god something to work with he can multiply it 
didn't wait until they had enough to fulfill the need. Just give Jesus what you have. That's a great word for somebody here this, this, this afternoon. Give Jesus what you have. You, you, don't, you don't have to. I know, I know it's not what you'd want to give Jesus, but, but give him what you have. And, and his all-sufficiency will take your inadequacy and make it into something incredible. Give Jesus what you have. And so the story goes on. You should read it yourself. He, he goes and um, the, the disciples go across the lake and there's a storm and Jesus comes walking on the sea and they have 12 doggy bags full of fragments from the miracle and they get to the other side and the next day all these people that had been fed by Jesus wake up hungry. They're like, oh man, man that was some good fish and chips yesterday. Man, that was that's some of the best. That, that was that was some good, you know, some good rolls. This is better than Lambert's throwed rolls. You know, I mean, it was just people throwing it around. I mean, it was buttery. It was good. Somebody, I'm making somebody hungry today. I said, man, that was so good. We need to go find that Jesus guy. Man, I liked him. He he fed us. He it was good food. He. He, 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 we really got to find him. And in verse 25, John 6, this is in your notes, right at the top, it says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, I just love, I don't know who the spokesman of this crew was, but, but it's, he, they're really trying to sell it hard. He says, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, Jesus cuts to the heart, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. In other words, you're just here for you. You're just here because of what I did for you. You're here because, not because I'm who I am and you have recognized who I am. You're literally just here. You've chased after me because of what I can do for you. He goes on to say, don't do work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you, for, for on Him God the Father has placed His seal of approval. And watch, they missed it again. Okay, awesome. Well, what do we got to do to do this work that you're talking about? And Jesus is like, oh, you missed it again. Here's the work. Believe in me. Believe in the one whom He has sent. And then they missed it again. They say, so they asked Him, this is one of the funniest questions in the Bible, the day after He had fed the 5,000, it says, and what sign will you give that we may see and believe you what you will do? And Jesus is like, what sign? I just fed 20,000 people with Captain D's kids meal. Like, what other sign do you need from me? And, and if this doesn't represent our mentality, this, 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 this message this week has cut to my heart personally so much. Because I can see myself in this group of people coming to Jesus and missing the entire point of what Jesus is wanting to truly give them. Watch, they even start using the Bible. They try to take Jesus to Bible school, okay? Watch what they say. It says, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. And watch, as it is written... Isn't it funny how we get real religious when we want God to do something? Lord, you said it's written. And God's like, I wrote it. I mean, what, what are you telling me? 
He says, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. This is manna. So in other words, they're saying, oh, in the Old Testament, Moses gave us this bread called manna. Manna was this like supernatural heavenly bread that would come down and they'd pick it up every day. The word manna, it's so funny. It means, what is it? That's what manna means. What is it? And I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. I grew up in public school, so I had manna every day. You know, you go, you get your train, you're like, what is it? I don't know. Manna. <laughs> Somebody posted a picture the other day of all those square school pizzas. Anybody, anybody ever ate a square pizza before? Come on. Come on. That was, that was some, so good. We can just dismiss in prayer right now. But, 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 but there, are, you, are you seeing this with me in the scripture? These people are missing the point. Jesus fed them, but he had so much more for them. Verse 32, Jesus said to them, Very truly I say to you, it's not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. In other words, your Bible study, you missed the point. But it's my Father who gives the true bread of heaven. In other words, all that manna stuff that you experience in the wisdom, in, in, in the Old Testament, all of that was just a picture of bread that one day would come from heaven and that would feed you not just for a day, but it would feed you for all eternity. In other words, I am the manna. I'm better than the manna. And then he goes on to say, in verse 33, the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they say, and they miss it again. Okay, awesome. It's like, wah, 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 wah. Okay, give us the bread. Yeah, they missed it. And Jesus, I could just see him kind of shaking him. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. Whenever I was putting this message together, I thought, bread of life, I am. This is the first I am statement in the New Testament. And I thought, well, we'll just start with the beginning. This has to be easy. I'm the bread of life. And the more I studied this, the more it convicted me to my core as just a, as a person. Because I realized real quickly that God was giving us a picture of, 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 of two brands, if you will, of Christianity. One is this idea, this is so powerful, it's cut me to my heart. It's this idea that Jesus, if you follow Jesus, he will give you the bread of life. Doesn't that sound right? If you follow Jesus, he will give you the bread of life. He will give you bread. He will give you good things. And that's, that's like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But the problem is that Jesus did not say, if you follow me, I will just give you bread. Did he give them bread? Absolutely. But Jesus did not come to give bread. Watch this. Jesus came to be bread. Essentially, Jesus was saying, don't just follow me so that I can give you stuff so that I can give you this thing called the bread of life but understand I am the bread of life I am the big deal not the stuff that you get not the stuff that feeds your belly not even all the manna stuff not all of that that the thing that is the big deal is who I am Cultural Christianity, I believe, says follow Jesus and he'll give you the bread of life. 
He'll be your own personal vending machine, giving you everything you want, solving all your problems, making you incredibly good-looking, and always making you happy. It's, it's the epidemic of our day. But Jesus didn't come to be useful to us. This is powerful. Primarily. Is he useful? Absolutely. But, 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 but did, he, did he give bread? Absolutely. But he did not just come to be useful to us. Jesus came to be precious to us. He didn't come so that we could just add a little bit of religion to our lives. So I felt like the Lord was saying to me personally, Brandon, are you coming to me just because of what you get out of it? Are you coming to me because of who I am? He simply says, I am the bread of life. Wrote this in my notes. It's the epidemic of our day. We want power, but not the person. We want the miracles, but not the man. We want the crown, but not the cross. We want the blessing, but not the burden. The glory, but not the suffering. Jesus was saying, hey, never forget what I, who I am is always greater than what I do. I feel like I see this with my kids all the time. That it's when I walk in many times, the first thing that I hear from them is what they want from me. I don't know if any parents in the house can identify with this, but whether it's the, the thing of choice right now is, Dad, I want your iPad. The moment I walk in the door, I mean, I've just, I've saved the world. I've changed all these things. You know, I've just had a hard day. You know, all the guys in the house, you know. You know, you just walk in. You know, the weight of the world on your shoulders, and you're just ready to sit down, just give your kids a hug, you know, and, and uh, not really, but, but we, <laughs> we walk, <laughs> not that epic, but we walk in the door, and the first thing I hear is, Dad, can I have your iPad? And then the other kids said, no, I want the iPad. No, I want the, and then they start, they want the iPad. And, 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 um, but the, but every once in a while, they get the reality that, that it's not about my stuff, it's about me. And if you get me, you get all the stuff. Uh, it's, I've told this story before, but it's been a few uh, months ago, I was picking up my son from school one day, and he said, hey, Dad. He said, um. I, he said, he said, I love you. I said, I, I love you too. He said, I'd really like to get you a Starbucks Frappuccino today. I said, really? He said, yeah, I just, I'd love to get you a Starbucks Frappuccino. I said, oh, he said, it's just right over there. I said, he said, he said, and Dad, while we're there, he said, could I also get a cake pop as well, you know? <laughs> There's something about the heart of a dad, the parent. That when, when your kids appeal to you, that relationship, man, there's nothing that I wouldn't give. But it's when all they do is just want me for my stuff. It, it makes me not even want to give it because I realize I'm, I, I'm creating a monster instead of someone who's appreciative and someone who has character and and. And it's truly understanding. And I, I just think that's why Jesus gives us this all-or-nothing kind of message. That, that people actually started walking away when Jesus started talking about this. This is, this is not like popular preaching that, that people just love to hear and, and lined up for. As a matter of fact, they love the bread. But when Jesus started talking about uh, the, the, the reality that, hey, 
you you got to go all in like this is that, that, that I think so many times and and please hear my heart we we, we we try to make it in such a way to appeal um, and make it so easy that I believe we dumb down who how great and how glorious Jesus Christ really is and how much it really is worth everything we say well if you just give a little bit then then and, and, it's, and we do this in hopes that maybe they'll give a little more maybe they'll give a little more but Jesus said so many times in his own words it's like every one of these I am statements come back to the same reality that this that I am worth giving everything for and it's an all or nothing kind of message and and I just really want to bring our church here today to this reality that why are you following Jesus are you following in hopes that he's going to do something for you or are you in love with who he truly is and the fact that he is the bread of life like he's the main course he's enough all in himself he is the bread of life it sounds prideful that the kind of message that Jesus preached and, and I'd say this it'd be very prideful if I preached that message from myself like come to me and I will you know, I, I am the most amazing. Come to me, and I am the bread of life. Well, that's that, that would be prideful because I'm not the bread of life. I, I, I get hungry, and I can't heal you, and I can't change your marriage, and I can't change your life. And, but, but, but when Jesus gets up and says, I'm the bread of life, it's the most humble thing that he can do because he's the very God of heaven coming to us, offering us hope and offering us healing. Can you imagine that with me right now, that like above this, this, this building and above the clouds and above the world, there is this God up there that's so much bigger than us that right now hundreds of thousands of angels are crying out, holy, 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 and they're all centered around and worshiping the Son of God. They're worshiping Jesus Christ on the throne. And, and, and we many times can dumb down the reality of who He is. And he says, when you truly understand who I am, you're like, well, what is this stuff? There's nothing of this world like th that's anything like serving and following Jesus Christ. It's eternal. It's lasting. There's three things that, that the bread of life does if you're taking notes. Three things that Jesus declared. Simply this, that the bread of life saves us. That you're not saved by what you do. You're not saved by your work. You're not saved by your good deeds. You're saved by Jesus. It's the bread of life. It's the only thing that can truly save us. The second thing, the bread of life sustains us. I love that, that it's not just something that can save me. It's something that's lasting. <laughs> and I, I'm thankful that when I make a mistake, Jesus doesn't throw me away. He sustains me. He walks with me. He helps me. The bread of life, that this is not just a quick fix. This is not just a here today, gone tomorrow kind of Jesus. That Jesus is here, and he will sustain you every single day. Like that manna in the wilderness, it's a daily walk with God. And number three, the bread of life satisfies us. Isn't that good? Satisfies. I think a lot of times we chase the things of the world because we haven't truly tasted how good Jesus really is. And kind of our, 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 our cultural Christianity of you do this for God and God will do this for you kind of thing, it, 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 it dumbs us down to the reality that when we, and we're going to have an opportunity to, and I just believe as I preach here today that the Holy Spirit is, is touching hearts and convicting hearts and lives 
And I believe there's going to be some people walk out of these doors today and you're going to be more satisfied than you've ever been in your entire life. Not because you got five ideas that are going to fix your life or not because you, you, you got all these things and God's going to, but, but because you are walking out of here in love with Jesus. And you're going to realize that's enough. All the blessings, all the, everything else comes out of that. He saves us, he sustains us, and he satisfies us. When Jesus was, was, was teaching this kind of message, people started walking away. And one of my favorite passages in the scriptures right here in John chapter 6, and it says this, says, at, at that point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, watch this, are you going to leave? How amazing that Jesus let the crowds walk away. For Jesus, it wasn't about the crowd. We, today as humans, we get excited about the crowds. I get excited about the crowds. Jesus gets excited about the committed. He gets excited about not just the crowd of people that's impressive. He gets excited about somebody that says, man, I'm all in. He says, are you going to go too? And watch Peter's response, which I believe is, is the, the reason for this chapter. It's Jesus is showing us two brands of how to follow him. One that's just a fickle fan that says, well, until Jesus does something I don't agree with or understand or stops feeding me, I'm walking away. I'm going to quit the church. I'm going to stop following God whenever somebody offends me or whenever something goes on. Jesus said, okay, you can just go away if you want to. But verse 68, Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom shall we go? That's the heart. I feel like God's been convicting me about all week long. I said, to whom shall we go? Why? Because you have the words that give eternal life. And we believe. And we know that you're the Holy One of God. Church, let's be like this, this, this man. Let's be like Peter. Where we say, God, I've made up my mind. It doesn't matter what comes and goes in my life. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The cross before me. The world behind me. No turning back. No compromise. No watering down. I'm going to serve Jesus with all my heart. And that's what they did. Peter was crucified upside down for his commitment to Christ. James, the disciple, was beheaded. Andrew was crucified. John, the disciple, was exiled to a deserted island. Matthew was speared to death. Bartholomew was crucified. Thomas was impaled with the spear. Simon was crucified. And James was stoned to death. What was it? It wasn't, oh, serve Jesus and everything's going to be perfect in your life all the times. No. Or else his first followers were failures. But Jesus says, these guys actually understood that to live, to truly live, it means to take that bread of life and let Jesus be enough. So the question really is today, where are you? I know this is a heavy message, and I tried to put the manna joke in the school lunch just because I knew that's the only joke I had, like, all day. You know, I wish I had something, like, funnier to say or I had like illustration like the man I can do relationship stuff all day and have like pyramids and all the cool stuff but Jesus in his own words 
I'll say this, I think I'm guilty sometimes. Just because I want everybody to get it, I just kind of lower the bar sometimes. I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 no. Show people who I am and then make a decision. Like, we're so, it's so easy to just make our decisions based on how we feel. And Jesus says, no, make your decision on who I am and live or die, sink or swim. I'm following Jesus. No turning back. So what do we do? What's our response? The people asked, they said, what must I do to do the works of God? We read that earlier. Jesus said, here's the work of God, to believe in the one he's sent. I feel like the, the natural response to a message like this is, all right, pastor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit doing what I've been doing. I'm going to stop this. I'm going to stop going there. I'm going to stop watching this. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm not going to look at that anymore. I'm not going to cheat anymore. I'm not going to. I'm going to start reading my Bible more. I'm going to start coming to prayer. I'm going to even get on the serve team for Easter. I'm going to put a yard sign in my yard and put a sticker on my car, and I'm not going to flip anybody off this week. Um, (laughs) Our natural response is to work for it. Our natural response is to check off a box and say, well, I I don't look like that. I don't say that. I don't. All right, give me the bread now. Jesus says, no. Here's the response to the greatness and the glory of God. And this is what's so amazing. Because God could say, work for it. He could say, oh, see how high you can jump. But He doesn't say that. This is what's so amazing about grace. I want to talk about this Easter, the amazing grace of God. Because whenever He could say, jump for it, He didn't say. He said, just believe. He said, I'll make the jump for you. The work's been done. I just want you to believe it. In other words, I just want you to make it all about me and your relationship with me. And I'll take care of you. I'll provide everything you need. I'll help you find purpose beyond your failure. I'll help you get beyond the the, the hopes and the dreams and all these things. I'll help you, Moses. But you've got to understand first that I am. That's who I am. That's what Jesus comes to us and says today. So the question is, who is he to you today? I put three words at the bottom of your worship guide. It just says, liar, lunatic, or Lord. I know those are bold words, but they represent three decisions. They represent three choices, if you will, that you can make when you come to Jesus. In other words, do you believe he's a liar? Do you believe that what he said wasn't true? Be honest enough to put it down and circle that here today and say, I believe Jesus is a liar. I don't believe what he said was was, was right. I believe he knew he was lying and, and he went to the cross for his life. But the only problem with that is how could someone who was a liar change the human race for good? And everywhere his message goes, thieves stop their thieving and and and, and people find hope and healing honest what is he to you maybe you say he's a lunatic not that he was a liar he was just self-deceived he was talking out of his head he was just kind of one of those crazy people like you see on the street that's must have been who jesus was he's just a lunatic i got a problem with that too though because how could how could a lunatic speak 
words that have changed the world forever and bring hope and life and it's the center of all human progress how but the third choice is that he's Lord and before you circle that word Lord because we live in the Bible Belt and we hear that kind of language all the time I want you to think about what that means when you circle the word Lord it means I believe you are who you say you are it means I've decided to follow Jesus no turning back in America we don't have many lords in other words we're putting ourselves under the authority of God and say whatever you want me to do if that means you want my, to, to get in the area of my finances you're lord of that you want to get in my money you're lord of that you want to get in my career you're lord of that either he's lord of all or not lord at all and I know I'm preaching a hard message here today but this is who Jesus said he was and I promise living for God easy is really hard but you if you live for God hard in other words with everything you have it's easy because you're in love if you're here today and you say this message is for me we're going to receive communion here together and communion is all about remembering that he's that bread of life broken for us distributed to us given for us but before we do that See, communion is not just a, a religious ritual that we do. It doesn't mean church attendance or anything like that. It, it's really remembering what Jesus has done, and it's for believers. So if you're here today and you're not a believer, you say, I, He hasn't been Lord, but He's, he's Lord today. I, wanna, I would love to pray with you here today, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And this prayer doesn't save you. It's some, not some magic words that I'm going to give to you today. Jesus said, simply believe. And, and he says in verse 47 of John 6, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life, for I am the bread of life. So if that's, if that's you today, I would love, and you, God's doing something in your heart, you're like, yeah, Brandon, I, I believe. Like, I don't understand, but I believe. I don't know how, but I know where. I believe. I'd love to pray with you here today. Nobody looking around, every, every head bowed, every eye closed. Just between you and God, say, Jesus, you're the only one that can save me. So right now, would you save me? Bread of life, save me. Forgive me. I give my life to you today and forever. I make the decision today for you to be the Lord of my life. I love you today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Church, hey, as we stand to our feet, can we just give God a, the biggest just hand clap of praise for what he's doing in this place today? Amen. It's really a special day today. It's a special day. We're going to receive communion.